back into the fantasy zone. I'm your host, Carter Richardson, and the fantasy season has arrived. Setting my lineups. <laughs> I'm checking my categories. Oh, don't want to lose turnovers. So can I grab assists this week? Do I sit a guy because I don't want to lose free throw percentage? It's all happening. Games are happening right now. I'm recording 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. We still got the Clippers game a little later. We just saw the Trailblazers-Lakers game in this afternoon. Things are happening, but here's the recap of what we just saw. And we'll start with a little NBA news from the Ball Street Journal. First in-season injury, sadly. Jalen Suggs out indefinitely with in ankle sprain. Magic looks great, especially Paolo Banquero. We will get to that. Look at your Cole Anthony owners out there. If he's somehow still on your waiver wire, maybe look at picking him up. Jalen Suggs, ankle sprain out. The Magic may not be tanking, but what they're definitely not doing is rushing into any kind of, oh, we absolutely need to get the seventh seed instead of the eighth seed and risking long-term health of their players. So Jalen Suggs out indefinitely with that ankle sprain. Weird one. Darius Garland cut the inside of his eyelid. I saw him sitting on the sidelines in the, uh, in the Cavs game earlier today against the Wizards. He's these giant, giant glasses on. So I have no little precedent for eyelid injuries in the NBA. Do we see Darius goggles Garland? I hope so. I love when players wear masks or goggles. It's very cool. Hopefully he comes back soon. But again, be on the lookout for that as a Darius Garland owner. The Lakers are 0 and 3. Mid-afternoon Lakers Blazers game in LA. Seems like a get-right moment. Who's going to guard Anthony Davis? Who's going to guard LeBron James? Well, it turns out nobody, but that doesn't matter if Russell Westbrook is on your team. Walked up the court, up a point, about 30 seconds left in the game, and with about 18 seconds left on the shot clock, he chucks up a pretty wide open mid-ranger, but for Westbrook, wide open is not open enough. Completely clanks. LeBron James viscerally reacts. And the Trailblazers end up winning that game because of a lack of situational awareness and shot-making ability from Russell Westbrook. Lakers 0-3. Westbrook not doing a lot for his trade value potential. But really, nobody needs him to be good. (laughs) It's just the Lakers have to, already having to attach these first-round picks to him. If... He is possibly a little good. Maybe they would only have to give the one first-round pick to certain teams. We'll see. But this has been a pretty horrible start for the Lakers. An extremely rough, extremely rough start for Russell Westbrook. Team that hasn't been getting off to a rough start that a lot of people predicted is the Golden State Warriors. In this case, I'm flipping to the Ball Street Journal. I'm looking around. Where's the Warriors news? There is none. Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, nothing has come out. They haven't said anything since the start of the season. They have passed to each other. They trapped a guy on defense, a couple high fives. See, mainly Draymond initiated. Jordan Poole's just trying to 
do his own thing. Poole, on the other hand, has been dishing out a lot more as a sister in the 7 or 8 category, but his points have been pretty low. Warriors still have their third game to play later tonight against the Sacramento Kings. Both Clay and Draymond have been on minutes restrictions. Easing into the season, Steve Kerr knows that the Warriors, if everything goes right, are going to be playing 100 games this season well into May and June. So he's easing the guys back in. Even with that, Jordan Poole hasn't seemed as free. Um, I think that even though this Draymond-Jordan Poole situation has not come back up, it looks like everything kind of is fine. No one is talking about it. No leaks are coming out from either the Poole or the Draymond camp. I'm worried about for Poole is... You know, he's never played a full season with Klay Thompson. We don't know what that looks like. They'll still go small ball with Klay and Poole out there. But for the majority of the games that the Warriors play, it's probably going to be blowouts. And that's going to happen with mostly Klay and Steph out there together. And as Klay's minutes restriction loosens and he starts going over 30 minutes a game, 32 minutes a game, Pools, you know, 28 is going to start going down into 22. He needs minutes. He needs volume. He can still be an excellent, excellent basketball player and not be a fantasy basketball player. Definitely keep an eye out for that. And if Poole has a great game these next couple games, maybe look to move him before Clay, Steph, and Draymond really start working together and they're all getting over 30 minutes a game because that hasn't happened. They never played together besides about 16 minutes in a Celtics game last regular season before Marcus Smart rolled into him until the playoffs. We don't know what this concurrent configuration of the Warriors look like when healthy. We haven't seen it in almost three years now. That's the Ball Street Journal, folks. It is now time for this podcast's favorite segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This week's good. Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics, 3-0. No rust for Jason Tatum. No stink from the playoffs and the finals. He came in looking fantastic. Most important number, 58% from the field. He's getting into the paint. He's not settling for long twos. And even with Jalen Brown rising up, even with throwing in Malcolm Brogdon as a more offensive fulcrum, Tatum looks fantastic. 8.3 free throws per game. That's called easy buckets when you're shooting 88% like Jason is. 34 points per game, 8.3 rebounds per game, and three. Steals blocks combined. He's got those stocks. You got the defensive stats. You got efficient scoring. You got rebounds. Jason Tatum is the full package. It's not what I expected with an interim coach. But it seems like they have rallied around, not Ime Oduko, but the idea of everyone counting them out in this situation. Their interim coach, Joe, as I will call him, because he just seems so straightforward. They've had a couple of nationally broadcast games. He's chewing his gum. <laughs> he answers the questions to the reporters with no fluff. He's just like, yeah, they need to go back and do this thing. They need to offensive rebound more. They need to get out 
further when they're pressing in this defensive situation. I like his style. I, I think that it's working well with this team who knows how to win already. And he is just, he's not trying to impose himself on this team for what we can see on the outside. He's just a straightforward X's and O's basketball coach. And that might be what this team needs as they can rally around the idea of everyone was counting them out and they aren't the best team in the Eastern conference, but with Jason Tatum playing like this, they are. Congratulations, Jason Tatum, on hopefully not your last good of the week. For the bad of the week, you know, you don't want to stick this label on somebody. And I'm going to say this one time. Small sample size. All right, now I don't have to say it again. That applies for the rest of the podcast, folks. Fred Van Vliet is only taking nine shots a game. He's averaging 13 three. 13.3 points, 8 assists. It's healthy, that's good. You get your assists from Fred. But when you take him in the third round, you want 18, 19, 20 points from Fred. But with Gary Trent fully ingrained in this lineup, OG Ananobi healthy currently, Siakam picking up back to his all-NBA status, and Scotty Barnes continually excelling in this league, I didn't think Fred Van Vliet was going to be the one who would be affected by this, but everybody takes the ball up on this Raptor squad. So his role as just, you know, main point guard of this offense, I don't know if there is a main point guard. He's still getting his assists. He's going to lead them in pick and rolls for certain throughout this year. But less than 10 field goals attempted each game is... Is not what you want from Fred. So Fred, you got to get those shots up. Because until then, that's that's bad. Fred, We you got you got to get at least 16 points a game. But we're, we're at 13 right now. 10 field goals attempted. Can't do it, Fred. Can't do it. That's bad. And the ugly. I'm going to make a personal promise to you, each and every one of you as a listener. I'm just going to do this one time. I'm going to get it over with right now. The ugly of the week is Russell Westbrook. He's going to be the ugly of the whole season if <laughs> if I allow it to happen, but I won't. It's happening now. We're going to talk about it, then we're just going to move on. I already mentioned his questionable shot-making and shot-taking decisions. Uh, he was 0 for 11 in the Clippers game earlier this week. He's averaging 10 points. A whopping 10. Six rebounds and four assists. Folks, he's not even the bad NBA announcers go to 17, 7, and 7. Oh, not many players can get you. He's not that anymore. He's 10, 6, and 4. A lot of guys can get you 10, 6, and 4. And a lot of guys can do it better on than 28% field goal percentage. We all knew it was going to be bad if they didn't trade Russell Westbrook. He's an emotional guy. He's not going to hold things back. LeBron James will hold things back outwardly, but he's an extremely passive-aggressive person we've seen. I feel bad for the Lakers because Anthony Davis is actually healthy. And besides, for some reason, still taking three threes a game, he's shooting 50% 
from the field and is going into the interior. They're feeding him in the middle, drawing attention away from LeBron. But when Russell Westbrook's there shooting 28%, going 0 for 11, only averaging 10 points per game and four assists, taking that playmaking um, role away from Russell. This is ugly, and I think it's just going to get uglier because Schroeder's not there. Westbrook still gets to start with Patrick Beverly, and when Schroeder comes back, whoo, whoo, sorry, Russell Westbrook. You're not in the right situation for you, and it's ugly. And after this break, we're going to get into the rookies and the new-look teams for this fantasy season. I don't know how good this rookie class is going to be at actual NBA basketball, but at fantasy basketball, let me tell you, they're getting a chance to have an impact, and an impact they are having. The number one rookie, as we all expected, has got to be Benedict Matherin. 24 points per game for the small forward on the lowly Indiana Pacers. 28 minutes per game, more importantly. 16 shots per game. This man is getting the sweetest word in fantasy, and that is opportunity for Benedict Matherin on the Pacers. And the man who's out on the Pacers right now, Miles Turner, that's not going to affect old Matherin's minutes. Maybe... Don't try to snatch up or trade for Jalen Smith right now. But Matherin, 28 minutes per game, that is sustainable. I mean, as he gets better and as perhaps an eventual Buddy Heald trade happens, that's just going to rise up. He's shooting 52% from the field and 52% from three. So that's going to dip. But if you get 19 from Matherin, and unless you're in an Indianapolis league or the Fantasy Basketball League of Indiana University, this guy is probably still available. So check him out in your waiver wires. Will there be a dip? Yes. But if you're going for rebounds, 6.3. If you're going for points, 24, this is your guy. Doesn't really help you out and assist or steals, or really blocks at all. But, but, waiver wire guy, I don't know if there's a better guy sitting on most waiver wires right now. The, you know, national star, I guess we'll get to number two on the list, Paolo Bancaircio. <laughs> Keep that in, Nick. <laughs> 34 minutes per game, 0 and 3. Not what the Magic want to see wins column-wise, but hey, Paolo looks great. Almost nine rebounds, three assists, two blocks per game. He's just a full-grown man. He's a freak out there. He's giant, he's athletic, and he's ready to ball. He's getting 18 shots per game. This is, he's taking four threes. I think if that moves down to three and one of those comes inside the paint, you're doing even better, Paolo. Keegan Murray, he's just played one game, but in that single game for the Sacramento Kings, 19 points per game. Only 10 field goals attempted. So that's a little... He's not going to shoot 70% for the rest of the season. I'll hang my hat on that. But he did get 32 minutes. So he does have a chance 
to go out there and make some big basketball moves. Jaden Ivey, my most surprising uh, rookie so far. I wasn't even certain he would start for the Detroit Pistons. But here he is starting, averaging 31 minutes a game. 13 uh, field goals attempted. Six assists, five rebounds. He's just having a big impact on the game. Now, sometimes it's a negative impact with his 3.7 turnovers. But, but, for old Ivy, you're getting a starter. And that is not what I expected from day one. I thought it might be a day 20 move. But his talent pops off that screen. The first game, Magic Pistons of the season. When Cade and him were just sprinting down the court, looking for the right passing lane, the right scoring lane, it looked like if I was a Pistons fan, I'd be really happy with this combination. I'd be thanking the Kings fans for drafting Keegan Murray. Jabari Smith. You know, 13.3 points. uh, 30% from three. Averaging four fouls a game. Not really what people wanted to see, probably. But don't worry. He's shooting almost nine threes a game. 8.7. 30%. He's shooting 15 field goals. So, if you want threes, they will come with Jabari. He's getting the opportunity. The Rockets are 0-3, just like the Magic. And Jabari will get there. He is a great shooter. Just got to get used to the distance a little bit. He'll figure it out. Jalen Green is thriving on the Rockets. Jabari Smith will find his role because they're going to make one for him. He's averaging over 30 minutes per game. Don't freak out. There are no other rookies averaging over 30. The next closest uh, with an impactful fantasy life right now is Jalen Duran, another Detroit Piston, who's up at 20 minutes per game. And he's averaging seven rebounds and over a block and a half. So maybe if that's your build, check out Duran. But the rookies overall looking good. Sad to lose Chet, but we got a surprise addition of Benedict Matherin. Opportunity, folks. That's all you need. Don't even know if he's good, but Benedict has that special trait of being on a team that is not good at basketball. Now, that's the rookies. Let's take a peek at the new rookies. These guys are new teams. Donovan Mitchell on the Cavs. Lots of opportunity with Darius Garland out. And he's taking full advantage of it. 31 points per game, 20 shots, 55% from the field, 8 assists, 5 rebounds a game. Mitchell's doing it all. He fits extremely well with the Cavs. J.B. Bickerstaff seems to be a great coach. He's letting this all happen. That'll tamp down a little as Garland comes back. He barely played a game with the Cavs, but Mitchell seems like exactly what they needed. Some guy who can just go up each night and put the ball in the basket consistently. Evan Mobley is a defensive machine and will probably one day end up being the best player on this Cavs team, 
But right now, their roles are set, and Mitchell is clearly at the top. Roles, maybe not set, but maybe that doesn't matter. Christian Wood on the Dallas Mavericks, averaging a full, hearty, and healthy 25 points per game? 25 points per game. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, I still can't believe it. And I wrote it down just like 15 minutes ago. 25 points per game. I mean, Christian Wood, just two games for the Mavs so far. But in those two games, he is taking full advantage, Christian Wood is, of every second that he is on the court. Because he's getting up 13 shots in about 24 minutes. He's getting his 10 rebounds. And when he's out there, they go straight through him. He scored 16 straight points against those Phoenix Suns. Christian Wood, even if he doesn't start at all this season, if he's doing this, you got yourself a fantasy valuable player. I doubted Christian Wood. Didn't like how the season started for him, or the preseason, I should say. As he was saying, I no one ever told me I was coming off the bench. And Jason Kidd was like that. We definitely did. We definitely did tell you that. Doesn't matter. Christian Wood is putting up points on that Dallas Mavericks bench. They desperately need some kind of focal point. With Dinwiddie now just being a starter. Luka Doncic makes every play around him better. So any extra time Christian Wood gets with Doncic, the better it will be. But right now, it's also still pretty good. Good for you, Christian Wood. And the last guy of my three on this list is the one and the only DeJounte Murray. Him and Trey Young are playing so nice together right now. Your turn, buddy. Oh, it's my turn now. And they just go back and forth. I thought the number one thing that would take a hit for DeJounte would be his assists. It did take a very, very, very tiny hit. 8.3 assists, still 7.3 boards, and almost 20 points. He's trying to prove everyone wrong and taking almost five threes a game this season. Currently shooting 35%. We'll see how (laughs) that goes. For him, I hope the best for DeJounte. And right now, Trey Young and him are playing really well together. It is going well. It can work. And if Trey Young continues to give up some of the playmaking and shot creating opportunities, then it's going to continue to be this go this well. So, Trey Young, it's on you. Do you want DeJounte Murray to be fantasy valuable? Or do you not want him to be? It's purely your decision as the face of the franchise. Hopefully, for Hawks fans and DeJounte Murray fantasy team. I'm trying to not say the word DeJounte Murray owners. I just don't like the way that sounds. Because you just picked him. DeJounte Murray pickers? You picked him? Selectors? If you have a better word for it, email me. At dimespot at gmail.com. I want to try to get that one out of the vocab because all we did was like eat some hot Cheetos and click a button on ESPN. DeJounte is someone who works every day to score lots of points and get lots of rebounds and get lots of assists for the people that have DeJounte on this fantasy team. So a less clunky way to say that, but a less aggressive way than owners is what I'm looking for. At Dimes Pod on Twitter.
please, folks, we got to find a solution for this. So what are we going to do now, folks? I love saying folks. Feels good. What we're going to do now, folks, is each week, whatever general topic is most important to the fantasy basketball community, we're going to talk about that with a special guest. That guest will mostly be from one of the many fantasy basketball leagues that I am in. This week's guest you will recognize almost immediately. It's JR, the star of the Dimes Pod on Fridays. He has both Paolo and Donovan Mitchell, and I want to talk to him about, you know, how it's been going. Obviously pretty well, but we got to hear from JR. But we're going to, throughout the season, we're going to talk about fantasy. We're talking about stats. But when it's going well, when it's not going well, we got to hear from what are the owners of these players doing. Let's say, knock on wood, Steph Curry goes out for the next 70 games. If you picked Steph Curry in the first round, what are you going to do? Who are you looking to pick up? And that's the kind of insider that we're trying to look for. Dynasty leagues, categories, points, we have it all. And right now, after the break, we will talk to the one and only JR. Welcome to the Fantasy Zone, your first time dipping your toe. How does it feel? Is it different than the Friday's Dimes pod? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, not used to recording on Sundays here, so it's <laughs> completely different for me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. So everyone knows Jar and I have been friends for a long time. We've liked basketball for a long time. But for 10 years, we have been the same fantasy basketball league this is the 10th year anniversary we started when we were in high school young pups we didn't know what we were doing we were just playing a points league i think we had like 14 people or maybe in 16 in the league but now we got 12 guys in our head-to-head categories league and jr my good friend had the first pick do you remember having the first pick in any other league i don't really recall ever having the first pick i seem to get pretty lucky most years i'm pretty happy with my pick man not like eight or anything okay <laughs> <laughs> all right that's strike one jr <laughs> i'm in full control of the fantasy zone it's not 50 50 like that <laughs> yeah my uh persona on fantasy zone is a lot different <laughs> <laughs> um no but i remember you being pretty happy with whoever i picked this year no brainer Jokic was mine. Right. I think that's, I, that's certainly what I would have done if I had first instead of eight, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so we brought you on today because two of the guys featured in our rookies and no lookies conversation, a one-man conversation, was Paolo Rancaro and Donovan Mitchell. You selected both of these players. Donovan was your second round pick, correct? So this was Jokic number one and then like, 15 real life minutes later you picked Mitchell <laughs> at the end of the second round exactly yeah Jokic at one my next pick would have been 24 so that's where I got yeah Donovan Mitchell I was so happy he was still there why was he such a good pairing for Jokic in your mind well with Jokic he kind of gets you a little bit of everything maybe not as many blocks as you want but even steals so I could have gone in any direction I kind of liked I knew I kind of wanted to go for points mm-hmm 
And I had no idea about the Darius Garland situation, but right now, Donovan Mitchell's also getting me the assists and I think threes. So I kind of, once I knew I wanted Donovan, that kind of set my set my team up here. The second pick really determined what categories I was going to go for. So you just mentioned Garland. We talked about his very weird eyelid injury possibility for goggles. Goggles Garland at some point. Mm. But Mitchell, he's shooting 20 shots a game right now, which is a ton. Yep. He's hitting like 11 of them. So that's going to go down possibly maybe a little bit later when Garland does return, but he's averaging like over 30 points per game. I, you're crushing your opponent, right? Yes, I'm matched up against JP and I'm currently up six to three. Um, he got me on free throw percentage right now. <laughs> I was seven two for a while, so I'm a little upset about that. <laughs> Jared really likes to crush him. So with Mitchell, you were hoping for points, and now with Garland out temporarily, it's you're getting even more points than you expected. Donovan Mitchell's stock is the highest it'll be. I mean, if Garland ever goes out again, this is a great sign of what I can maybe expect. But yeah, he has over 30 points in his first two games. He's playing right now at the time of this recording. It's end of the third. He already has 26 points. So we can maybe just... Add another 30-point game on there that make that three straight. Um, and with all the assists, he's really come in and kind of done the distributing role as well. So, again, just loving what I'm seeing. From that little bit that he played with Garland, little, little bit, it seemed like the fit was also great. Like, Mitchell's just the go-to score. Normally, in this segment, when I interview someone, it's going to be like, how are you going to get out of this situation? But right now, it's like, man, are you just loving life, JR, with Donovan Mitchell on your team? I really am. I'm like, Darius Garland, no rush to come back. Take care of your <laughs> eye. It's just a game, okay? Life is more important. <laughs> Do you want to see Darius? You want to? You need readers when you're 40? No, come on. Just let Mitchell keep scoring. Unless, of course, JR and I are playing next week, which I don't know, but... I don't want to know. Don't distract me. Don't get in my head. I'm still trying to beat Nick, our wonderful, wonderful editor. Shout out, Nick. Now, JR, all the way in the seventh round, way later, you selected Paolo. Are you generally a rookie's guy? This was a this was a stray from my normal my normal draft. I usually don't like rookies because I don't like the unknown. You know, sometimes it's you should pick them. Um because they come into situations where they're going to get you a lot of fantasy points. But I just like picking guys what I know. I know what they're going to do. He <laughs> right. He is averaging 34 minutes per game, which I think is my personal, like of all the stats, I think that's the biggest surprise that I've seen for Paolo. They're not winning, but that's fine. <laughs> um, Suggs is now out with an ankle sprain. Is this going to make Paolo even better? Or is he going to struggle to find a shot even more than he has already? I mean, he's not shooting great. He's just shooting a lot. I mean, is this good or bad for Paolo? I think it's good. I think he's shown that he has a pretty polished game already. But uh, a player out that does take shots just means more shots for him. Uh, so that's obviously good. But on top of that, like the deeper meaning of that to me is 
He's new to the game. He's played three NBA basketball games so far. So the only way you get better is repetition being in that environment. So yeah, take as many shots as you can, get as comfortable as you can, as soon as you can. We all have our sights set on championships. Do you think you're going to get there? Of course I do. I think (laughs) I'm a shoe in every year. (laughs) But it just really feels good to get a week one win. Now we're saying this before the day is over, but I feel pretty secure in this week one victory. I'm liking what I'm seeing from my team. I got some good scores. I don't really know who I'm afraid of right now. Wow. (laughs) A rave review from JR for his own team. Well, thanks, JR, for being the first guest on this currently unnamed segment. Since you're here, you want to join me in a little Spurs shoot-around? Yeah, let's go. All right, so as we all predicted and expected, the Spurs are 2-1. and one. Somehow we lost to the Hornets, which is the one game we actually did have the talent to win in Game 1. LaMelo Ball was out. We were all like, okay, we'll, we'll win this one and go 1-81. But then we beat the Pacers, kind of similar level to us. But then, <laughs> Saturday afternoon, 5 o'clock Philly time, <laughs> we march ourselves into Philly. And we just take care of business while Joel Embiid scores 40 points. <laughs> how How is this team 2-1? and one? I mean, can if we expect more wins? What's going on? As our good uh, mathematician friend Alex said on the pod, our uh, Dimes pod, regression to the mean. So let's like... I'm, I think they're excited about playing again. They're all young. They're all running. They're mm-hmm. all gunning. I think Pop, is he's not really worried about winning or losing. He's just worried about coaching the best game he can. So I wonder if these guys are just accidentally stumbling into like a lot of points and like doing well <laughs> right now. But as we've talked about, we know we don't have like actual good players. So I wonder how long we can play this high, like way above our threshold. Because in general, we're not supposed to be good at shooting. So that's going to be a big detriment. But Keldon Johnson looks great. Devin Vassell, besides game one, where he went from like 0 for 8 from the three-point line, has looked good. And Yaka Pertl is playing like almost a Jokic role, where he's just really setting up the whole offense because Trey Jones is a point guard, but he hasn't been given the like, all right, you're going to run 15 pick and rolls a game. That's right. not our offense because – a pick and roll, there has to be like a threat on one side of it. And if it's Trey Jones and Pirtle, like that's like, all right, you guys can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's the easiest play for the defense to defend a Trey Jones, <laughs> Yaka Pirtle pick and roll. <laughs> it's just Popovich did another massive compliment on Pirtle. He was like, he's maybe not the most talented guy, but he's like the hardest working, smartest player on the court most nights. So I don't know if, Pop's really playing the game here, and it's like, this guy, man, he'll improve your whole defense if you want him on your team. <laughs> Just give a couple first-round picks for him. Come on. That's a good sales pitch. We we joke about how we just want to, you know, win zero games this year. It's more than a joke. That should be the mm-hmm. reality. Right. Um, and so that means we should probably get rid of anyone that's, like, doing really well. And I do like Pirtle. The Spurs kind of have a mindset, I feel like, maybe of – more than anyone else in the league. Hey, we're not going to win right now. 
we like genuinely do want to see you do well, maybe on another team. We don't like actually want to ruin years of your career here. I know he's been on the squad for a while, but like, yeah, let's send him somewhere where he can be happy and actually win some games. That's why we traded DeJounte. Yeah. That's, that is the reason why we traded DeJounte. We're like, you are a great player. Your value is high right now. You'll be happy. We'll be happy. We don't send players to places they don't want to go unless their name starts with a K and ends with a, a Y Leonard. <laughs> a <laughs> man we... who famously <laughs> hates the cold and we sent him to the furthest North place you can send a player and then still be in the NBA. Sorry, Danny <laughs> Green. Collateral damage. We miss you so much. I hope he comes, you know, hope he makes his return to the NBA. I hope whatever happens to Danny, he wants to happen because right now he's sitting on the Grizz with an, uh, Injury, probably out for the whole season. If you don't want to come back to San Antonio, we need a new shooting coach. It's Chip England, another guy who are like, you whatever, you can leave if you want to go to Oklahoma City. <laughs> whatever, whatever, it's fine, it's fine. But I will never root for the Spurs to play poorly. And that is why the organization needs to lower our talent so low. That even if Pop is still the greatest coach in NBA history, he can't win. Because right now, it's just a little too high. We're still going to win too many games, apparently. Because we got Vassal, we got Johnson, we got Pearl. Maybe that's all you need. Maybe that's all you need. I completely agree. Lower our talent. Because it just feels wrong to ask Pop to not try as hard as he can. He can't just turn the switch off. And that's what's great about him. It's going to be a season that he knows we're going to tank. He's still getting upset at the refs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a little Spurs shoot around. Thanks again for coming down into the fantasy zone with us, JR. Hopefully, for you, we'll never have you back. Because the rest of the season, it's going to be people <laughs> who are in sticky situations. But this first week, it's only been four games. How stick Or like five days. How sticky of a situation could it be? Right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the only positive week. I really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) You're very much welcome. Thank you for listening, everybody. Make sure you check out the Friday Dimes pod where we're going to get into every other thing besides fantasy. Talk to you next time. Bye.